book of Proverbs tonight. Thank God for the book of Proverbs. Book of Wisdom. Alright, Proverbs in chapter 1. first seven verses are, as we taught you last week, the preface. We won't go back and explain what that is to you again for the sake of time. But beginning with verse 8 through chapter 9 and verse 18 is a section of discourses, 16 of them that is spoken by a father to a son, and then Lady Wisdom is standing and crying out to all men that pass by, amen, her uh, to receive of her wisdom. And then chapter 10 through the rest of Proverbs is the Proverbs themselves. Amen. So, but let's just re- look at a few verses here tonight. Uh, beginning with verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity to give subtly to the simple to the young man knowledge and discretion a wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels to understand a proverb and the interpretation the words of the wise and their dark sayings the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Okay? Go down to verse 20 of chapter 1. Wisdom crieth out, she uttereth her voice. So now we're changing from the father and the son. Uh, Wisdom is here pictured as a woman, or lady wisdom. So wisdom crieth out, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Chapter 8, please. Verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places, by the way, in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars, she hath killed her beasts, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens, she crieth unto the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither, as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. 
He that reproveth the scorner getteth himself shame, and he that rebuketh the wicked, rebuketh the wicked man getteth himself a blot. Okay, a little further over. Verse 13. We see here now Lady Folly. A foolish woman is clamorous. That means she's loud or boisterous. She's simple and knoweth nothing. So, amen. There's a contrast between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. And we ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We pray that you give us inspiration, God, tonight by your spirit to preach it, to teach it, and to receive it. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, let me just run through a few of these words here and give the definition of them. We've already talked to you about wisdom, what wisdom is, uh, practically speaking, ethically speaking, and theologically speaking. Very quickly, practically speaking, when you talk about life, wisdom has to do with living. It has to do with social skills. Okay? It is the ability to know what to do. Okay? At the right time. Doing the right thing at the right time. It is saying the right thing at the right time. And it is having the proper emotion at the proper level. Okay? Amen. In life. So it has to do with social skills. When you talk about knowledge or you talk about IQ, we talked about this last week. IQ is the ability to sit down, gather facts, and take a test. There are a lot of people who have a very high IQ. They are smart, okay? They are intelligent in the sense of having knowledge, the ability to study and take a test. But we're not talking about just IQ or gaining facts and knowledge in order to take a test to determine how smart you are. When we talk about the book of Proverbs, we talk about wisdom, we're talking about an IQ or intelligence that has to do with social intelligence or emotional intelligence. And that is, how do you live life? You can be very smart, but not know how to live life. You can be very smart, take a test, make big, great grades, but you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do, when to do it. You don't know what to say, when to say it. You don't know how to respond emotionally to the things that come to you in life. So we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about a different kind of IQ. We're talking about social skills, the ability to live a life, to know what to do at the right time, what to say at the right time, how to handle things emotionally when they come to you in life. So basically that's what wisdom is. Choosing the right path. Amen. It's choices that you make. Choosing the right path. The Hebrew word hakmah. So look at it very quickly. <clears throat> okay, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David and king of Israel, to whom went to know what? Wisdom. Hakmah. So I've explained that to you. Uh, that's the practical definition of wisdom. Okay? You with me here? And then also the Bible talks about Verse 3, to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment. So now we find out that wisdom is not just so we know what to do in life, but it's to make you a good person. Verse 7 tells you the third definition of wisdom, or the purpose of definition, is theologically given. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay? 
So theologically, then, the most important thing about wisdom is, is to understand the importance of having a relationship with God in your life and being in fellowship with the Lord. Okay, so very quickly again, practically speaking, how to live life, right? Ethically speaking, to make you a good person. Third thing, theologically speaking, the most important of all of them is to have a right relationship with the Lord and to live for the Lord and how to do that, okay? Let me go through these words so you'll understand. We've already covered wisdom. Next word is instruction. Say instruction. Hebrew word musar, okay? Now, it's not an S, it's a C, okay? M-U-C-A-R, musar. Now, what that means is, when you read here, it says, the wisdom and instruction, musar, instruction means discipline. So, when you talk about wisdom, what wisdom is, now we have some words that help us understand wisdom. And if you have wisdom, then you will be a person of under, of a person of instruction, musar, a person of discipline. And what that means is this, is that you've gone through some things in life. And as you've gone through some things in life, uh, the mistakes that you have made have brought some consequences to you. And so now, you are a disciplined person. That means that you will no longer give in to the path of foolishness. You will say no to that which is wrong in your life because it has cost you some pain. And you remember what you went through and that instruction, that discipline taught you, I don't want this to happen again. I don't want the consequences. I believe there are consequences if I disobey God. And I don't want those consequences in my life. Are you with me? So I'm going to be a musar. I'm going to walk in instruction. I'm going to live a disciplined life because I know that if I don't live according to the Word of God, it's going to bring consequences to my life. So that's why I'm going to be disciplined. So that's the second word here. To perceive the words of understanding. Hebrew word bina. B-I-N-A-H. Bina. That is discernment. Discernment is to know the right and the wrong in any given situation of your life. Okay? You are faced with things. You're faced with decisions in your life. Things come up in your life and you have by now. You have the ability to discern what is the right and the wrong in any given situation in life. That's what that word means. Okay? Verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom. Again, Musar, Hakmah. Why does he put it together? Musar, Hakmah, the instruction of wisdom. Because now the focus is not so much discipline based on consequences you have experienced in your life, but it is the Musar, Hakmah. Are you all with me here? The discipline of wisdom because you know how great God is. So now you move to another level you know you're disciplined in life not just because of the consequences you know you'll receive, but because God is so great. It takes it to a higher level. It's no longer just about retribution. It is that God is so great 
that I do not want to disobey Him. So that's what that means. Instruction of wisdom. Musar Hakmah. And then we see justice. Say justice. That has to do with righteousness. Teaches you how to live right. Teach you how to live for God. It has to do with your relationship with God. Amen? The next two have to do with your relationship with people. Judgment and equity. Okay? Have to do with people. So when you pass a verdict on something, you pass a judgment on something, you identify, hey, you know what? You're not doing right. You're not doing right in your life. Okay? So you pass a verdict. You pass a judgment on the right and the wrong of something. That's a wise thing to do. To pass judgment on the right and the wrong of something. Sometimes, judgment has to come. And, but you do it in the spirit of love. Okay? If somebody's doing something wrong, you tell them, now, you know that's not right, but the spirit that's driving it is love. Okay? And then we have the last one here is equity, which basically has to do with fairness. It's balance. It's not partial. You don't show partiality to people. You're very fair, you're very even, and you're very balanced. So these words that I've just explained to you are words that have to do with what wisdom is really like. When you're functioning wisdom, this is the kind of person that you're going to be. And I know I said that very quickly. Amen? And if you didn't get all that and didn't write all the notes down, get the tape. Okay? I have to talk fast because I'm covering too much material tonight. Now, the Bible tells us in verse 4 to give subtlety to the simple. Subtlety is a very unique word. It has to do with being crafty. Okay? Or clever. Now, there's a good clever and a good craftiness, and there's a bad cleverness and a bad, bad craftiness. So what God is saying here is for the simple, that's basically the immature person, it doesn't have to do with age at all. You can be an old man and be a simple man. So when we talk about simple, the word means simply immature. It means to be naive. It means to go through life, just go, you know, just, you just go through life and get involved in all kinds of things and you get, get in trouble and, you know, you're an unsuspecting kind of a person. You just sort of believe everything. Okay? That's the simple person. But the Bible says that wisdom comes to teach the immature, the naive, the unsuspecting person about how to be clever. And that means how to withstand evil when it comes to you. Say praise the Lord. All right? Now, the Bible goes on and tells us it's not only just for the simple, uh, pita, uh, but it is for, or pati is the Hebrew word, simple pati. It is for the young man to give that young man understanding, right? Right? Do you believe that? Amen? To the young man, knowledge and discretion, right? Knowledge, say knowledge and discretion. Hey, that's not right. I gotta stay away from that. Have discretion. Okay, let's go on. So you're gonna need your Bibles tonight. If you didn't bring your Bible, you're gonna be completely lost. Because I'm preaching the Bible to you. Okay? You need your roadmap. Okay, this is your workbook. Let's go on. 
So for the young man, it's to give the young man knowledge and discretion. And then on, on top of that, the wise man will hear. So it's not just for the simple man, it's not just for the young man, but it's for the wise man. And the Bible says the wise man will hear and do what? And what? Increase learning. A wise man is not the kind of man who at some point in their life thinks they know everything. The wise man is not the kind of man that says, okay, I know everything. I don't need to be taught. I don't need to learn anything. You can't tell me anything. I have arrived in life. The wise man knows that you're always in need of more wisdom which comes from the Word of God. Never do you ever get to a place where you no longer need to hear the Word of God preached in your life if you're a wise man. A wise man knows you need to be constantly instructed in the Word of God and the knowledge of God that it's never enough that you need more and more knowledge of the Word of God. Amen? How many wise people out there do I have? Now notice it's sort of it's in the masculine gender, but it applies to everybody. So when I say the wise man, you women out there think in your mind he's talking about a wise woman. Okay? You with me here? Okay. How many wise people do I have out there? Good. That means you never get satisfied with the wisdom that you have, the knowledge that you have. You know always that I can learn more, I can grow more, I can be better in my life than I am today. And at no point in my life, say with me, have I arrived. I have not arrived. Okay, say praise the Lord. Beautiful, isn't it? Verse 7 again gives us the foundation of wisdom. Well, let me explain verse 6. To understand a proverb. Say proverb. Okay, so this book is given so we can understand a proverb. Mashal uh, in the Hebrew is sort of like a parable. Now, in the New Testament, when Jesus spoke parables, the word parable is translated from the Greek word parabola, but it's all when you translate it in the, from the Hebrew, it's coming from the same word, mashal, which is a proverb. Jesus spoke proverbs when He spoke parables. So when we go through the book of Proverbs, it's to teach us how to understand these little short sayings that are sort of like parables. A proverb is a short saying, short on words, but long on experience. It is, a, it is something that has been proven and been tested over a long period of time. I want to say something that's going to blow your mind. It is not a promise. It is a general revelation from God. Are you with me here? For example, the Bible says, train up a child in the way, sh way they should go. When they're old, they're not depart from it. And people take that and say, God made a promise to me they wouldn't depart from it. They misunderstand a proverb is not a promise. It's a general revelation of truth that has been tested over a period of time. And most of the time, that's the way it's going to be. But there are some occasions when that's not the case. So you have to be careful when you read the book of Proverbs. And you see it in your life and say, well, God's not keeping His promise to me. He didn't give it to you as a promise. He gave it to you as a general revelation. Amen? Of truth. Now, it comes from God, but it's been proven over a long period of time. So again, what is a proverb? 
It's a short statement, maybe normally just a short sentence or two. It's, long, it's short on words, but long on experience, all right? So the Bible tells us here to understand a proverb and the interpretation of words, of the words. What does interpretation of the words means? You have the ability, when you read it, to get to the point. You have the ability to interpret it. That means you know what the point is that's being taught there. Right? Okay. Everybody with me here? The words of the wise and their dark sayings. The words of the sages and their dark sayings. Because sometimes the wise would say these little short pithy statements and uh, they're, I mean, they're really wise and sometimes hard to understand their dark sayings. But the more that you spend time in these Proverbs, you'll have the ability to understand the dark saints. Okay, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. With me here, most important thing. You really can't say that you have wisdom if you don't live for the Lord. Now, very quickly, and I'm, I'm, I'm just covering kind of a little bit, of going back a little bit. There's a lot of wisdom in the world. You can study the, the wisdom of the Egyptians. You can study the wisdom of... I mean, the Edomites were known for their wisdom. Okay? You can study the wisdom of what would, was ancient days than the Sumerians, which is the modern day Iraq. They had a lot of wisdom long time before the book of Proverbs was ever written. And a lot of things that the book of Proverbs says were in those ancient, ancient teachings of ancient cultures. So wisdom has been around a long time. Things that have been studied, life has been studied. And social skills has been developed. Even by countries and by people who do not believe in Jesus. Now remember, you can learn something from an unbeliever. If you're the kind of believer that says, I can't learn anything from people that don't believe in the Lord. You can. If some of you go to a doctor that's not a believer. Okay? You can learn some things from unbelievers. So in those cultures we've talked about last Wednesday had wisdom. You could read those things. A lot of them are very similar to the book of Proverbs was talking about. But they worship false gods. So then they really weren't wise. Because the foundation of true wisdom, amen, is to have a relationship with God in your life. Because wisdom is making the right choices in life going on the right path, but ultimately it has to do with order. And God is the only one that knows how to run this world. He's the only one that knows how that life should be lived. Amen. Say praise the Lord. So if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you may have a lot of studying about wisdom in the uh, you know ancient cultures or whatever, but ultimately you have to have a relationship with God to be a person of wisdom. That is the foundation Okay? So the fear of the Lord. Say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now later he'll say the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, now when we look at that, the fear of the Lord, as I said last week, why didn't the Bible say the love of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Because God wants to give us an understanding that we must be humble before the Lord. And knowing the love of God doesn't really humble you. 
But when you fear God, when you reverence God, it'll cause you to humble yourself before Him and understand He's bigger than you or greater than you are. Okay? So we need to have a healthy fear of God in our lives. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this is where we left off last week. Okay? Fools, say fools, despise wisdom and instruction. So we talked about two people already that are the opposite of wisdom. They are the opposite of people who walk in wisdom. Number one is the simple person. The simple person, as I said, is the person who is immature and naive. Okay? Goes forth in life, just straightforward, you know, and falls into a lot of problems in life because they don't know how to live life. Then we have the second person that's recorded here is the fool. Now, who is the fool? Well, I don't think I have any fools in here. I pray I don't. I don't want to be one. But let's find out what a fool is like. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearketh unto counsel is wise. You listen to God. You take God's advice. You listen to God's word. You're wise. But a fool believes that his thoughts are right. So simply a fool is somebody who thinks they know when they don't know. Okay? A fool is a know-it-all. You can't tell them anything. They won't listen to you. They for sure won't receive correction in their life because they know it all. You know. Amen. It's sort of like when, when the, our young people turn into teenagers. Have you noticed how dumb the parents become? Amen. I, you know, I used to think I was smart till I till my kids grew up, and then I found out how dumb I was. <laughs> Amen. Because sometimes I'm told that, and I'm joking. But other times, you know, they're just they just know. I'm talking about you know, Victoria's more of an adult now. Jeremiah's moving that direction. But Amen. <laughs> But the fool basically, really, when you break it all down, is the stupid person. And I know you don't like those words, stupid. And I know you teach your little kid that. Don't say that. You're not supposed to say stupid. Okay, so I, I'm with you on that. But there are stupid people in the world. And the stupid people in the world that are the opposite of wisdom are people who won't listen to anybody. They won't listen to God. They don't follow God. They don't serve God. They don't live for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Why? Because they already, in their mind, they know everything. That's the fool. Okay? Now, in some cases, the fool does know what to do, but the fool won't do it because it's too restrictive to their life. Okay? Either way, you still got a fool on your hands. Because they know it all. They don't need any more knowledge. Praise the Lord. You can't tell them anything, man. Praise the Lord. Give God worship. Y'all with me here? Now, I don't want to be a fool. 
I don't want to be a stupid person. I think I know everything about everything. Now, if you know something, you know it. If it's the truth, you know it. Praise God. And don't, don't apologize for it. But if you don't know, don't act like you do know. And if you don't know, don't tell people you do. That's what fools do. And, I'm, and again, it's not age. I know some of y'all are thinking about right now. You're thinking about this one. You're thinking about that one. But it doesn't have nothing to do with age. Amen. As some people go, go forth in life. They want you to think that you know everything about everything and you can do everything. Why do they think that? Because you're leading them on. Now, if you know it and you know how and you can, that's one thing. Amen. But if you don't know, don't say you do. Somebody said praise the Lord. Because that, that's, that's what stupid people do. And that's why some people get in so much trouble in their life. If they're not naive and not simple and just go headstrong into life and fall into troubles, they don't seek out counsel. They don't seek out wisdom from anybody because they think they got it. I got this. A wise person seeks out counsel. A wise person seeks out wisdom in their life. Amen? Say praise the Lord. We all need help. So I don't want to be a fool. Be right in your own mind and still be wrong. Everybody all right out there? Now we'll get eventually get over here and we'll talk about Lady Wisdom and she talks about a third person that's the opposite of wisdom and that's the scorner. And the scorner is one level above. You have the simple person, just the immature, naive person. Then you have the fool that thinks they know and they don't know. And then you have the scorner and they just downright mock all the people who serve the Lord. They will mock you. They will mock people who live in the ways of God. And they'll put you down. That's a mocker. That's a scorner. Okay, so praise the Lord. But fools do what? They despise wisdom and instruction. They despise it. Why? Because they don't like the fact that it's going to restrict what they want to do in their life. Oh, don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own thing. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Sad, isn't it? Sure, it's quiet out there. I mean, y'all were doing well, real good while go. Now, at this point in verse 8 of chapter 1 through 9 and verse 18, we're going to deal with 16 discourses and this is a son and a father relationship, okay? Father goes to the son and he's teaching his son how to live life. He's giving him wisdom. He's teaching him how to live life, social skills, how to live, proper order. What is the proper order in finance? What is the proper order in various things of life? Well, God knows how to live life. Amen? That's why it's important to have the fear of God in your life. Because He knows how to live life. I don't. I don't know how to live life. You don't know how to live life, but He does. So that's why I want to serve Him. 
because he knows how to bring order to my life, order in the midst of chaos, man. The, the problem that I had before, you know, 18 years of old, that's been over 30 years ago. 18 years of age, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. It's over 30 years ago. Amen? Well, I want to tell you something. Right before I came to the Lord, my life was nothing but chaos. And I was lonely, and I was looking for something in my life, and I got God in my life, and He brought order to my life. And guess what? He still is. Because I haven't arrived yet. The first church I pastored, me and Sister Christina pastored, I was in my latter 20s. I was about 27 years old when I started pastoring the first church. Amen? Praise God. And uh, so, you know, I need a lot of wisdom. I need a lot of wisdom. Praise God. So I, and as soon as I started pastoring, I found out the people that I was pastoring, man, they knew a lot more than I did. Say, praise God. <laughs> but I just kept on going. Hallelujah. And you need God. You need God. You need more of God. And, the, and I'm just telling you, life has chaos to it, has confusion to it, has problems that come. You need answers. You need to know how to live. You need to know what to do. And the right time and what to say at the right time and how to handle it with the proper emotion. Life has challenges. So I need God in my life. I need Him. Amen. So a son and a father. Father's going to give direction to his son, tell him how to live, how to have proper order in his life. And then we're going to see Lady Wisdom comes on the scene. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, that Lady Wisdom. And she cries to everybody, all men that walk by her every day. Men that are walking by her. She's standing in the public discourses. She's standing out there where people are. She's in the gates. She's in the high places. She's screaming out publicly. She's not some kind of secret society with some kind of secret knowledge. Some kind of secret gnosis. Wisdom that comes from God is not about some kind of secret society and secret knowledge. The wisdom that comes from God is readily available to everybody and it's public and she stands in the public concourses and she's intermingling with people. She's lifting her voice to try to get somebody to listen to her. Amen. So that's what we're going to be seeing as we go through uh, tonight some things. Amen. Now, chapter 1 through chapter 9 of the book of Proverbs basically is going to teach you how to interpret chapter 10 through 31, how to interpret the Proverbs. So it's important for us to understand. Amen. Alright, very quickly. Verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Now, who wrote the book of Proverbs? Alright, Solomon. We found out some of Hezekiah's men. Amen. We found out we, there's some other wise men that were nameless. We found out there's a few kings that were not Jewish. That we have some non-Jewish kings that put Proverbs here. Okay? So, but what we have here is we have Solomon. He's writing the book of Proverbs, but he's speaking to his son. Now, when you have time, go and study in the Kings, first Kings, study who the sons of Solomon were. And see, you know, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, 
study and see which one of those psalms sons listen to Daddy Solomon. And you'll find if they didn't listen to Daddy Solomon, look at the life of Rehoboam. Look at the problems that he, he brought to the kingdom. Because he didn't listen to his dad. Now Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus Christ. But yet his son, they wouldn't listen sometimes. Got him in big trouble, man. Messed up the kingdom big time. Hallelujah. Amen. There, there have been great men of God who had great wisdom from God and they were mildly used of God. But you look at their sons or their children, didn't walk in that, that wisdom. And it created great problems. Amen. Created problems for the church, created problems for their own life. They didn't walk in that wisdom, but it wasn't the daddy's fault. Listen to what I'm telling you. It wasn't the daddy's fault. Are you with me today? Some of these, some great men, they're no longer alive today. Raised up great churches. They were fire and brimstone preachers. I'm not saying that's everything, but they preached righteousness. They preached godliness. And they weren't even necessarily oneness. But they had conviction when they preached. You with me here? And as soon as they died and their sons took over, they turned the church over. And it's no longer a church. It's just a, a place where people meet. Amen? They took a church and turned it into a crowd. You're supposed to take a crowd and turn it into a church. It's sad to say that some of those today have huge churches. But if their dad knew what they have done with that church, he'd roll over in their, gra in their grave. So it is important for you to understand that Solomon was a wise man. Obviously, later in, in life, he became the most foolish man. Okay? But there was a time in his life Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Queen of Sheba went just to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She traveled just to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Amen. And where did that wisdom come from? The Bible says God gave Solomon that wisdom because Solomon asked for it by prayer. 1 Kings chapter 3. God said, I'll give you what you want. You want power? You want riches? What do you want, Solomon? Solomon said, I want wisdom. I need wisdom. Because I'm going to affect the lives of many people. If I'm going to rule, I need to have the ability to know what to do and what to say because I'm going to affect the lives of many people. And so God gave Solomon wisdom. The wisest man who ever lived at that time. He wrote these Proverbs. And he taught his sons. David taught him. Solomon taught his sons. But they didn't always follow in the paths of their daddy. Amen? And that can be very discouraging. It can cause you grief. See, let me just tell you, young people, children, to parents today, you can cause your parents great grief or you can cause your parents great joy. And I'm going to tell you what it all boils down to. Are you going to be a true worshiper of God? If you are, you'll cause your parents great joy. If you depart from God into idolatry, and that's basically what you do if you leave God. You're going into idolatry. If you do that, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. In Proverbs chapter 10, the Bible says you will cause your parents great grief in your life. 
So the Father is going to spend time with the Son, teaching Him the right path. Everybody's on a journey, brothers and sisters. You're on a journey in life. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 11, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. When thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. So this father took time to teach the son the right path. To let them know there's two paths. There's a path you can walk that walks with God. And there's a path that, that you can live that doesn't have God in it. This father sat down with his sons. And Proverbs 4 says, He taught his son how to walk in a path. And that path is to live for God. Taught that, that son how to avoid the journey in life that leaves God out of your life. He told him if you walk that path that lives for the Lord, that path is going to bring life to you. It'll bring, be a life of blessing to you. But if you get off that path and you get on the path, that other path that doesn't have God in it, that path of folly and foolishness that's departed from the true worship of God and worships idolatry. Put something else in the place of God. Solomon said, you get on that path and instead of it being straight and smooth and a life of blessing and life, he said it'll be a life full of potholes. It'll be a life instead of light, darkness. It'll be a path of death and not life. Hallelujah. So he sat down and he told his son, this is the way to live. Amen. You live with God in your life. Yes, and you'll be blessed and you'll have a life of light. But you leave God out of your life. And you're on a path that's leading to destruction. You're on a path that's full of darkness and potholes. You stay off that path. So he sat there and he taught his son. And, and I'll be honest with you tonight, you have responsibility as parents to teach your children. I have responsibility to teach my children, Victoria and Jeremiah. But I have some spiritual children because I'm a pastor. You know, don't be, don't be upset about that if I call you spiritual children. In the business world, if you're, being, if you're an apprentice to somebody, an apprentice calls himself son to the one that's teaching them the job. So I am a spiritual father in the sense that I am called by God to be a pastor to you, to preach and teach the Word of God to you, to show you the right path to go on. But you've got a responsibility as a parent, as a mother and a father, to teach your kids to stay on that straight and narrow path that lives for God. And don't ever get off of it. Don't ever depart from the Lord. Don't ever replace God with anything in your life. Because if you do, let me just put it to you this way. What concerns you the most in life, that's your God. 
That's what idolatry is. To get off the path in that Old Testament when Solomon was speaking to his son was to be an idol worshiper of Baal, the sun god, or Moloch. One of those false gods or goddesses. You hear what I'm saying? But in modern day, we don't worship Baal. In modern day, we don't worship Moloch. We have other idols. And an idol is anything that you put in your life above God. Anything that you make more important than God is an idol to you. And tonight, what your greatest concern in is life, in life, that is your God. If God is your greatest concern, He's your God. But if you've got something else in your life that's more important than God, that is your God. Because idolatry is anything and anyone that comes between you and your walk with God. And there is a constant allurement by the world that says, leave Him. But this daddy, he knew. He knew what it was like to walk in wisdom at one time with the Lord. But he also knew what it was like to play the fool. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. Amen. Read the book of Kings where Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, became the, the greatest fool who ever lived and began to intermarry with the women of the world and they turned their, his heart away from God. And so he sits down and he teaches. He's trying to teach his son. He's giving the Proverbs and telling them how to live. Don't get off that path that has God as the center, that has God as the most important thing in your life. Don't do that. The other path is full of darkness, man. Pit holes, potholes, death and destruction. So he begins, he says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Your mother's taught you some things too. Taught you some things that are right and wrong. Amen. Amen. It's important for you to listen to a godly father and a godly mother. It's important for you to listen to a spiritual father, a pastor in your life. Ultimately, to listen to God. I said, don't depart from it. Amen. Forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. You listen to what they're teaching you. Listen to what you've been taught. Don't, don't forsake it. Don't leave it. It says, because it, it'll affect your thoughts. It'll be an ornament of grace on your head. You'll, you'll, you'll think right if you listen to what they teach you. Teach you the Word of God. Teach you the right way. It'll, it'll help your mind. And then he goes on and he says, it'll be a, a chain about thy neck. It's going to affect the way you talk. These are pithy sayings that are expressing truth, metaphors, grace around your neck. You'll know how to think. You'll know what to do. You'll know what to say at the right time. 
living for the Lord to bring order to your life. But he said it'll be like, <laughs> amen, chains about thy neck. Chains about thy neck. Amen. It'll affect the way you think. It'll affect the way you talk. Chains around your neck. One way to look at chains around the neck is that means that the child has bent the head in submission. They know how to submit to authority. They know how to bend the neck. There's nothing more beautiful in life, in my opinion, than to see a child or a young person or anybody that knows how to bend the neck to authority. Because the opposite of that is stiff-necked. But you got chains around your neck. You've learned how to bend your neck in submission to authority. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. Let me just tell you right now, and I'm like, I'm speaking the word of wisdom to you tonight out of the Bible. When your child is born, as soon as they're born, you, you put the mindset of training in your heart. As soon as they start getting a little lower, you know, hallelujah. You gotta realize, you know, think about this old proverb about the Sphinx. You don't know what the Sphinx is in Egypt, right? The Sphinx, they used to say that the Sphinx would he'd wait for people to walk by. And as they'd walking by, the Sphinx would ask him two things. What has one voice? Walks on four. Walks on two. And then walks on three. And if you couldn't answer that, the Sphinx would eat you. And then somebody came by, a very wise man came by. And the thing said, what has one voice? What has four? What walks upon four? What walks upon two? And what walks upon three? This wise man said, a man. Because when he's born, he learns to crawl on all fours. And then he grows up and he walks on two. And then when he gets older, he walks on three. And the story goes, the, the Sphinx got mad, just, just flipped out, just went off a pedestal. Couldn't believe that anybody could come up with that answer. But let me just tell you this. When your child is born, remember, there's a time they're on their back, you're carrying them, but pretty soon they're going to start crawling. You have to start disciplining them and training them at an early age. Because if you don't, they're going to be running you. You won't be in charge of them. They're going to be in charge of you. And they're just going to say, okay, they, can, they know how to play you. They know what to do to play you. So you're either training them that you're boss, or they're training you they're the boss. You got to teach them from the time they're born. They're crawling on fours. Then they start walking two. Then he, when they're walking with three, one cane and two legs, you got to keep teaching them. Say praise the Lord. 
There's nothing better than to see a child that's been disciplined. And I thank God for some of you who trained your children to be disciplined in the, in the things of God, the house of God. Amen. I've told you before, we were in Crane, Texas. I had a couple in that church, young couple. They've been in church for a long time. And they had a young, a young child, young girl. Man, they disciplined her. She was just a little girl. But they had her sitting on the pew listening to the Word of God. Okay? Now, maybe for some of y'all, you know, the, the ones that you have might be a little bit stronger will. But you can't give up. Say praise the Lord. Why? Because you want them to learn to bow the neck and submit to authority. So you got to start early. Right? Foolishness is shut up in the heart of the child. You got to start early, man. If you don't, they're going to be controlling your life. So that's why Solomon, he knew. He knew he had challenges. He knew he had to, he had to train up that child. He had to speak the word of God to him. Hallelujah. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Oh man, take the, take the rod and beat their behind. I mean, but keep it under abuse, but you know. <laughs> I said, I tried. They just, they still, no, you don't, you don't surrender. Okay, so anyway. Hallelujah. From the time they're born, time they're crawling, the time we're walking upright, the time we're walking with three, two legs and one cane. We need the wisdom, the word of the living God. Now, let me tell y'all, let me tell y'all something, okay? I'm going to tell the parents this. Don't do it around grandma and grandpa. Okay? I'll give you a little word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Okay? Yeah. Praise the Lord. It don't work too good. We went through that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When I discipline, if I discipline mine around Christina's mom, you know, she, I'll spank you. You spank my, spank my grandbaby. I'll spank you. <laughs> I try to be real careful. Amen. About when I did it. Hallelujah. With a, Christine says, with a belt in her hand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What? What they don't know won't hurt them. All right? Don't say nothing. Okay? <clears throat> say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you say, well, how, 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 how long do I do this? How long do I spank them? As long as you need to. Praise the Lord. But hopefully, some, somewhere around age 22, you don't have to spank them no more. Hopefully. I think Sister Victoria's last spanking when she was 17. Hallelujah. And when was it? Was it after that? Yeah. No, I think it's, I'm, I have a pretty good memory. I think it's 17 was the last time. Huh? I didn't spank you at 17? When was the last time I spanked you then, Victoria? 10. 10? We're over here trying to talk. She don't. 
Sorry, church. Sorry. <laughs> Get your racks right, Daddy. Amen. I can't tell you when to stop. It just, you know, you, I think God will tell you when. It's just, just okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but hopefully by the time they turn adults, 17, 18 years old, you're not having to do that anymore. That they've learned how to submit to authority. Because I'm going to tell you why that's so important. If they won't learn to bow the neck, amen, with you, they'll never bow the neck for anybody. They will never, never know how to submit to authority in their life. And I'm telling you, big problems come out of that. Say praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Everybody listening real good? Okay. For they shall be an ornament of grace under thy head and chains about thy neck. Listen to the instruction of the Father. And forsake not the law of thy mother. It'll affect your, your mind. It'll affect your voice. It'll affect your ability to bow your head before authority. That's important. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know. I feel the Holy Ghost just kind of leading me. You know what we have a problem with right now? Is that the parents want to be the friend to the kid instead of the authority over the kid. You, you put yourself in a position. Now, I love my children, I, you know, but I don't call myself their friend. I'm their daddy. Amen? You, you try to come across as you want to be a friend, you know, you're going to mess them up. They need an authority figure in their life. They need headship in their life. Hey, hallelujah. Praise God. Say praise God. Oh, see, see y'all are quiet. Y'all want me to be like Spock. Dr. Spock. And I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about, you know. Y'all better not be reading that stuff. Psychology, Dr. Spock. I'm not talking about that. By the way, you know when Dr. Spock, right, you know, Star Trek, when he did that, you know what that is, right? That's the Hebrew letter Sheen. Peace and prosperity. You didn't know that, did you? Okay, so you got wisdom tonight. Hallelujah. You learned about the Sphinx. So if you're ever in Egypt and you're walking by the Sphinx, and the Sphinx says, what has one mouth and walks on four, then walks on two, then walks on three, you know the answer. And the Sphinx won't eat you. Hallelujah. She'll go off her pedestal. That's what, that's what the story says. Okay, say praise the Lord. Well, I'm probably not going to get as far as I thought I was going to tonight. Verses 10 through 19, and I'm not going to break down all the verses. We've done that in the past. If you want the teaching on the book of Proverbs, we went into every verse and get, I mean, it's available to you, okay? But I'm not going to do that. Verses 10 through 18, basically at this point, um, the daddy's going to teach the importance to the son to stay away from opponents to wisdom. There are opponents to wisdom. And he, first of all, you read those verses. I don't have time tonight to get into it all. But he says, stay away from groups of people. Stay away from gangs. 
Stay away from people that will lead you away from the Lord. Don't keep company with people that will lead you away from the Lord. Okay? Right? So, verses 10, very quickly, My son, if the sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And so then he talks about this crowd, this group. They're not wise. Brothers, everybody listening to me? I'm not going to keep you long if you listen to what i got to say. Okay? But you don't want to listen, I'm going to keep you long. Alright, there's going to be sinners that are going to come and try to entice you, allure you away from your walk with God. And it's, it's not, listen, it's, I'm not just speaking to youth tonight. I'm not just speaking to children. I'm speaking to all of us. There's always somebody from the enemy that wants to come and try to entice you or take you away from your walk with God. So when sinners entice thee, consent thou not. You have an opponent to wisdom. Okay? Now they're going to come. They go, all right, what? Listen. Somebody comes in and says, hey, want some alcohol? I got some. You don't, don't even say, no, thank you. Just say, no. They offer you alcohol, right? They offer offer you a cigarette. Amen. Sexual relationship outside of marriage. Come on, be with us. Be cool. You'll be cool if you run with us. And so the father, first thing he teaches the son is watch the people you hang around with. It's better for you to be lonely in life than to be running with a bunch of numbskulls. And I don't know what a numbskull is. But it ain't good. So I, you know, so there's there's this peer pressure that comes on people, and I want to fit in. I want to be cool. So don't consent. When sinners entice you, they're going to do their best to try to keep you from walking this straight and narrow path called wisdom that brings blessing and life to you. They want you to join in their ranks, to be like them, to run in their circle. They don't love God. Hallelujah. And I'm not just talking about people in the world. They might be somebody in the church tonight. Well, you want to fit in. You want to be cool. You want to be accepted by everybody, maybe in the church. But there's some things that, that's going on in the church that you know is not right and you shouldn't be a part of. But to go, you know, to, to, to fit in and to be accepted, you, you, could, you go along to get along. No. It's better to be all by yourself sitting on a chair by yourself than to be a part of a group. Gangs that are going to take you away from your walk with God. You and you so you gotta be strong. You gotta be courageous when when sinners entice you. Amen. Live like us. Be like us. Look like us. 
See, that's an opponent to wisdom. Don't, and, and you know, and you don't even have to say no, thank you. You just say no. All right? Say praise the Lord. And I don't think I have to go into great detail, do I, tonight? About what you say no to. But that's the first, that's the most important thing that this father speaks to the son right off is that be careful who you hang with. Well, you got problems with some with a young person and you go, it's who my son's hanging around with or it's who my daughter's hanging around with. Have you ever thought that the reason why they're hanging around them is because they're like them? You want to blame it on them. Why are they with them? Cause I'll tell you why. You don't like it, but I'll tell you why. Because they're just like them. Sometimes you have to be willing to live a lonely life. Amen? To be a person of wisdom. You, you guys say no. When sinners entice don't consent. And it talks about all kinds of problems that that will bring to your life if you do. What they do, what kind of lifestyle they live. Just read through the verses. It's pretty self-explanatory. Hallelujah. But peer pressure is a big thing, man. Especially for young people. I've asked the question before. Why, why would you do something like that? I'm just trying to fit in. Remember what the Word of God says. Don't run with them. Remember what your pastor says. It's better to be all by yourself and be lonely and have wisdom than to run with the crowd. It's easy to run with the crowd, man. Say praise the Lord. Alright? So, what time is it? I got, I got about 15 minutes. So. <clears throat> and after he warns his son about the company he keeps, say praise the Lord. How many of y'all hang around good people? Y'all hang around? Yeah. Well, you say in the church, there ought to be a few good people in the church. Now, I'm not vouching for it, but there ought to be. So, praise the Lord. At least you're in the house of God tonight. Now, 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 listen to me. Okay, so let's get off the young people. What about some of you adults? Do you realize that if all of a sudden all your friends... What's going on? <laughs> you know, have you ever, you realize that if all of a sudden all your friends are out there in the world... And you're not spending most of your time with those friends trying to win them to God or cultivate a relationship to show them the Lord that you serve or trying to win them to God. If that's not your ultimate motive to have them in your life, I will tell you what's going to happen. They will begin to influence you. And you'll take on the personality, the attitudes that they have about the things of God. And it can happen to an adult. Just to have friends. You know, say praise the Lord. You gotta be careful with this. Amen. 
Y'all okay? Okay. Make, make sure you make good choices when it comes to your friends. Because you're not just known by your friends. You're known by your enemies. And there's some people that I want to be my enemy. They don't want it to be my friend. And they say, I'm a, I'm a friend of Pastor Carter. If they said they're a friend of Pastor Carter, you'd probably lift your brow. Oh, you're his friend? You know what I mean. Evil people. Foolish people. The wicked, the evil. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. I want to show myself friendly to the lost to win them. But I don't want to run with them. They'll, man, they'll take you down. Sure will. Yeah. All right, verse 20. We move to Lady Wisdom. Now we move beyond the sun. But Lady Wisdom. And Lady Wisdom. And again, Lady Wisdom. Now we move from the son, the father and the son relationship. Why does God change that to a feminine? Why does He say wisdom is a lady or calls her a lady? What's an attribute of God, right? You know why? What what appeals to young men? Oh, I heard it echoing through the chambers. It went from here to there. So that that's you know he's. Dealing with his son, he's speaking to, to me and he's speaking to his son. And God is very wise. He knows that women appeal to men, so he calls wisdom a woman. And this is an attribute of God, ultimately it's the Lord Himself, but He personifies wisdom as a lady for a reason. Because He knows that young men are attracted to women. Okay? Now, God is not a lady. God is not a woman. But He does it that way. It's a metaphor. Get your attention. You get, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lady wisdom's going to get everybody's attention. Especially if you're a man. Well, what does she do? She cries without. She uttereth her voice in the street. She cries in the cheap places of concourse. In the openings of the gates in the city, she uttered her words saying, How long, simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn yet my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Where is she? Where is wisdom? Amen. She's everywhere. She's public. She's not hiding. She's not secret. Some kind of secret society. Out there in the public, out in the gates, out in the streets, rubbing shoulders with people, in the high places, crying out. Anybody that'll listen, sort of like the prophets in the Old Testament would stand and they would cry out and preach the Word of God to anybody that would listen, they would stand in the gates. What is it saying? That she's available to everybody. This wisdom that I'm preaching to you about is not just for some kind of elite people, you know. Elite, the elite. No, it's for everybody. It's whoever will listen. Man, woman, adult, child, young, old, whoever 
Wisdom wants you to have success. Wisdom wants to give you the principles of life that will make you successful, make you a good person, give you a right relationship with God. It's available to everybody. Amen. And what did she cry out? She utters her words, How, how long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? Amen. Immaturity. Naivety, just going through life from one problem to another problem. Going through life unsuspect, un- un- unsuspecting. Sim- simple ones is also, can I tell you this, brothers and sisters? Simple ones are not just immature and naive. The simple ones in the Bible are carnal Christians. The ultimate simple one in the Bible is a carnal Christian. And really, to be honest with you, is there such a thing as a carnal Christian? Somebody that loves the world more than they love God, loves things more than they love God. Carnality, controlled by the flesh. That's the simple person in the Word of God. Amen. The carnal minded is an enemy of God. And so wisdom is saying, how long will you, the simple ones, love simplicity, love your carnality, love being immature. And so who's it for then? It's for those people. If you're that person or not, you're just starting out your walk with God. Your life. You're just now starting out on this journey. You're just now starting this, this path. Then you're probably the simple one is talking about. And what God is saying is that, and I'm going to take it from that, from that point of view, that He's talking about somebody's just starting out. And He says, I want to give you wisdom. I want to teach you how to live life, be successful in life. I want to teach you how to be a person of order. I want to show you how to live the right way from start. And I want you to progress until you become successful in everything you do. It's available to everybody here. If you're just now starting your journey in life, that path... God wants you to be blessed and successful in your life. But the only way that you will be is if you do it God's way. And how many can stand up tonight and just give us horror story after horror story after horror story because they didn't have God, they didn't live for God and do it God's way and it brought nothing but trouble. And God, wisdom is saying, how long to the simple will you continue to love Simplicity. And then he says to the scorner, to the scorners, how long will you delight in your scorning? Mocking wisdom. These three are the opposite of wisdom. The simple person, but it's being offered to that person. And then the scorner, the mocker, the one who makes fun of you living for the Lord. That's the highest level is a fool doesn't think they need God. A fool thinks they know everything. But a mocker actually takes it a step further. They start mocking the way you live. 
A scorner is a person who's got an attitude problem. They look at holiness and they, they start doubting it. They start questioning it. They start mocking it. How silly that is. That's the scorner. When you look at Lady Wisdom, she's a holy woman. When you look at Lady Folly, and we'll look at her, I don't know, tonight, it depends on how you know we, we go, but you look at Lady Folly, she doesn't look like a holy woman. I'll tell you who Lady Folly is today, practically speaking. Lady Folly's the trophy wife. Y'all ever heard of that term, trophy wife? Yeah. Some of these men have a lot of money. You know, they're old guys. See the old guy, man, they're old ugly. They're old and ugly, but man, they got trophy wives, man. You know? They call trophy wives. Well, they're real, supposedly really beautiful. You know what they are, the trophy wives? They're focused on, you know, cosmetics. They're focused on boob implants. They're focused on the latest gossip. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh! Don't look at me like that. Now, I flipped through the channels a few times and I didn't stay very long, but I guarantee you, that's, that's, all, that's all they were about, man. I mean, their eyelashes are waving at you. And you know, nothing was natural. And just gossip and what's in the, you know. The latest story in the inquire. You know what I'm talking about. That's what Lady Folly's all about. She's about the world, man. She's a cosmic queen. Now I'm not telling you the holy holiness is not ugly. Holiness is beautiful. You can be beautiful and hallelujah, be holy and be beautiful at the same time. But you don't you don't need to be a cosmic queen. I call them trophy wives. I know some of you don't like it, but I'm hitting you right in the forehead. I have a trophy wife. She don't need any of that stuff. Amen. Sister Christina, I, she's my trophy wife. I'm old and ugly. Look how she, beautiful she is. We always tell people why she married. She married me for all my money. Problem is, I didn't have any when I got married to her. She's my trophy wife. She don't need anything. Say praise the Lord. But you understand the point. And mentality get a hold of you. Now, so Lady Wisdom is offering wisdom to the simple person, the scorner, the one who has a mocks holiness and mocks the ways of God and thinks it's silly and ridiculous. Amen. That's Lady Folly, the scorner, the mocker. And then fools hate knowledge. Again, we've already talked about that. They despise knowledge. They hate knowledge because they, they don't feel like they need anything else. They know, they, they believe they already know everything they need to know. And nobody can tell them nothing. Amen.
Verse 23, as she offers this wisdom to these three opposites of wisdom, the simple, the scorner, and the fool. She says, turn ye at my reproof. That's the answer to the simple person. Turn at, when somebody reproves you, corrects you, listen and turn away from that. Get off the path you're on. You're heading down the wrong direction. Get off that path. Listen to somebody when they come with a reproof or correction to you. You're wise if you accept correction in your life. Simple people, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what to do, what to say, don't know what kind of emotion to have, wisdom says, turn at my reproof. When you get off the right path, I'll correct you. And when you accept correction, that is the answer to being simple. As soon as you turn at the reproof, see what he's doing is if he talks about the simple person, then he gives the answer to the simple person is to turn at my reproof. Hallelujah. That is a, that is a beautiful thing, man. If somebody corrects me, if I'm, listen, if I'm going down the wrong path, if I'm doing something wrong, I want somebody to, you know, say, hey man, this is fixing to destroy you. Or this is going to mess you up. This is a bad business transaction. <laughs> you understand? It, can, it applies to so many things of life. It's not, no, this is not a good decision. You're not making a good decision right here. That's a bad business decision. So on and so forth. If you're fixed to enter into a contract that's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the mistake you're going to make, and you had somebody come up and say, don't do that. Tell you why, and you listen, and you find out. Whew, I'm sure I'm glad I took that correction, because that would have cost me big time. See, the simple person just runs straight into everything, gets involved in everything, signs every contract, don't question nothing. Amen. They later on find out what the results are. You know, it's sort of like, well, we're going to make a commitment, then we'll find out. You know, the results later. Don't be that kind of person. That's the simple person. Say praise the Lord. Yeah, we, we need people to say, hey, you know, hey, I, I did that before Pastor Carter. Somebody in my life, I did that before Pastor Carter. That didn't work out. Thank you. You saved me from making a bad decision. I'm going to listen to that. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit unto you. The scorner needs that. The scorner that sits back and mocks and has a bad attitude toward the things of God. They need the Holy Ghost. The Holy, somebody that's a mocker gets the Holy Ghost, they'll stop mocking. You walk in the Spirit, you'll start mocking. People, reason people mock is because they're not full of the Spirit. He said, so the answer to the scorner is, I'll pour out my Spirit into them. And the Spirit, the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of wisdom. Amen? And I will make known my words unto you. That's the answer to the fool. The fool who thinks he knows everything. The answer to the fool's problem is, the answer is, I'll make my words known unto you. And that is simply this, that the fool will find out that God's Word is good. Amen? That God knows more than I know. God knows better than I do. They just need to be showed it. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. 
She goes on and says, Lady Wisdom, because I have called and you refused, see no response. She's offered her wisdom to the simple, to the scorner, and to the fool, and there's no response. What God, listen, one thing you've got to know about, the, about wisdom is that you have to respond to it. You have to receive it when it comes to you, and then when it comes to you, you have to move. You have to respond. We got too many people that are idle. Too many people that are passive. They hear the Word of God. They might receive it, but they don't respond. They don't do anything with it. You have to receive the Word of Wisdom and respond to it. But here Lady Wisdom says they're refusing it. Because I've stretched out my hand and you refused. I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you, see, she's crying out to men that go by. It's for everybody. But you have said it not all my counsel and with none of my reproof. You refuse to be corrected. Guess what's going to happen? You want to know what's going to happen to person, people like this? That don't receive the, the word of wisdom? God's word, God's way, God's knowledge. His skill, His order in their life. The Bible, brother and sister, the Bible's true. Here's what's going to happen. You said not all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. Now I want you to listen to this. Lady wisdom is a lady. But lady wisdom is speaking rough. She speaks rough to those people that do not respond to her call. Why does she speak rough? Why does she say, I'm going to laugh when your calamity comes? Because she wants to shake them out of their lethargic complacency. She wants them to turn from that non-responsive and receptive spirit. And she knows the only way to shake them, if possible, is to speak to them roughly. So she says, sounds really unique, doesn't it, that Lady Wisdom would say, I'll laugh at your calamity. It's coming. It's coming. Just get ready. It's coming. But because you wouldn't listen, you wouldn't respond, you went and did your own thing, calamity is coming. It's coming. Just get ready. I don't know when. If you walk away from God, you depart from God, nothing good can come from it. And Lady Wisdom says, I'm just going to laugh at your calamity. That's rough. How I many you know God's a good God? And he, he, brother, sister, He loves us. You know how patient He is? How many church services do people come to? And the Word of God goes forth, and the Word of God goes forth, sometimes for years, and they stop receiving and responding to the Word of God. For whatever reason, 
God's good. He's making His wisdom available to all of us. Because He doesn't want calamity to come our way. But He's telling us, if I don't respond to it, yeah, you can sit there smug. I've, I've, I've preached to people like that. I know what they're looking at. Maybe you need a manicure. Or maybe pedicure. I don't know. Now I'm preaching the Word of God and like smug. And... That's okay. You're not doing that to me. You're doing that to the Word of God. I'm telling you, nothing good's coming from it. When I started, first started preaching, praise the Lord, I know to my guests it's hard for you to believe this, but when I started preaching, I had people in the church that do this to me. You know, because I started preaching when I was really young. And so, you know, you got these old, sour religious people, you know. And I'd go in there and I'd preach and they'd look at me and I could just feel it, man. And they'd say, who is this young guy trying to tell me what to do? Don't he know I've been in church for 50 years? But I wouldn't get a bad attitude toward him, you know. I'd, I'd keep preaching and all of a sudden the power of God would hit him. And they'd go, Woo, hello brother Carter. We sure, we want you to come back. I said, okay, I will. But that, so that anointing takes over. They, it's not me, it's anointing. It takes over. They change their attitude, man. They, they stop folding on and stop doing this. Normally their eyes are about that big around. Amen. God is good. All right, just go ahead. You know, he says, she's saying, just go ahead. You keep being stubborn. You keep being hard-headed. No listen to nobody. I no listen. I no listen. Go ahead. And you keep on no listen. And it calamity's coming to you. And wisdom's going to laugh. Because she was trying to help you. And you know, listen. Look at your neighbor and say, you better listen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I'm talking to him pretty, to him pretty rough. I will mock when your fear cometh. Hey, good news. I'm not going to go to 8 and 9. I'll do that next week. Okay. So if you're worrying over there, over here, over there, I'm not worried about y'all. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation. Sad, isn't it? It's going to come like desolation, man. It's going to be a desolating thing. 
and destruction and a whirlwind. He said, it's going gonna, it's gonna to overtake these people that are the opposite of people who seek wisdom. It's going to take them like a huge storm in their life. Now, brothers and sisters, I've got a question for you. In life, storms are going to come. And they come to everybody. They come to the, to the faithful and they come to those who are like this that don't respond to God. And if you respond to God, guess what? When the storms come, you'll be able to survive because your life's built on a solid foundation. They come to everybody. They don't, I'm not exempt. You're not exempt. Who's your foundation? Who's your God? Are you walking with Him? Are you living for Him? Are you hungry for His Word? Amen? You built your life on His Word. Your life will be still be together. But if you don't build your life on the Word of God, the storms are going to come because they come to everybody. We're not exempt from the tempest. And if you haven't built your life on a solid foundation of the Word of God, when those storms come, it is going to devastate you. It's going to destroy Amen? The Word of God's there for you and for me to build on. When distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me. Oh, listen. Don't read any further. You think, then shall they call upon me. And you would think at that point, Lady Wisdom said, I'll be there for him. No. Then shall they call upon me. Why? Because they're in trouble. And that's what a lot of people do, man. They don't respond to God until they get in trouble. And then they get in trouble. Then they cry out to God. But the problem with that is it might be too late for you to call on Him. There are examples in the Word of God where people just kept closing their ears and shutting their eyes. Not just preachers reaching out to them, but you reaching out to them. And the problems are going to come, and they come. It might be too late. That's why it's important for you and I to be receptive and respond when Lady Wisdom cries out to us. To ultimately not make mistakes in life. To be a good person. And to have a right relationship with God is the ultimate thing in your life. It's the foundation of wisdom. Amen. God wants you to be blessed and successful in everything that you do. Amen. But Lady Wisdom will later tell you in chapter 8 that you seek wisdom above gold and silver. Sometimes you have to choose wisdom above wealth. 
Because wisdom is more important than money. A knowledge of God's Word, a knowledge of how to live for the Lord is more valuable to you than a bank full of money. And when you live for the Lord and you walk in wisdom, she said, I'll prosper you. But sometimes you have to choose wisdom over prosperity. Because wisdom is the principal thing. And with all without getting, amen, get understand. It's important. It's the most important thing in the world. Wisdom. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. A right relationship with Him. Fellowship with Him. Living for the Lord. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way. It's that old principle, whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. That's a biblical principle. You sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap destruction. You sow to the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap life eternal. It's a principle in the Word of God. They shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. When I get over in the 8th and ninth chapter and our Lady Wisdom's crying out, and Lady Folly's also crying out. Lady Wisdom's crying in the high places. She's got a palace with seven pillars. She's got a banquet spread. But also Lady Folly is crying from the high places. And the simple go head straight into her home. And when they walk in, they find death. She doesn't give them what she promised them. A life without God will never give you what it promises you. It looks good. You walk away. You follow her into her house. You think, man, we're going to have a good time now. And as soon as you walk in there, there's death everywhere. And I'll preach it to you next Wednesday. She reaches around you, the departed one, the one who's gone away from the Lord and, and committed idolatry. She reaches around your neck and she's about to kiss you. You think, man, this is going to be great. And all of a sudden, her hands turn to skeletal bones. And her eyes are nothing but hollow sockets in her face and she wraps her cold arms around you and you scream out in terror and horror at what you see embracing you but it's too late she took you she tricked you and now you're in her arms she had a pretty face but she had an empty head The Bible says that she's simple herself. She doesn't even know what to do. But she had a pretty face. You fell for it. 
and she embraced you with death. The lady wisdom. That's why it's so important to respond and receive the Word of God and be in a relationship with the Lord. Because that which will seek to allure you away from God will only bring death to you. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. They thought it would satisfy. They thought. And all they did was walk into the arms of death. How are you going to break free? How are you going to get out of her arms? Brothers and sisters, in just a practical way, and I was going to get ready to close. I've had men talk to me who with tears running down their face Listen to Lady Folly as she allured them. And they tell me, Pastor, it wasn't that good. It doesn't, she doesn't give you what she promises you. But there's allurement there. And when she gets you, the tears will run down your face. Heavy, heavy in promises. But light in giving what she promised. Don't fall for it. She will tell you stolen waters are sweet. But that's not true. She's lying to you. Stolen waters are not sweet. As I come to a close tonight, the Lord spoke to me in the middle of the night and He said to me, there's a high spirit, a very high spirit who has tried to come don't take the message on Star Wars that I preached you Sunday night lightly. There has been a battle in the heavenlies for many. That high-ranking spirit will come and seek to allure you away from God. Try to get you to forsake the gospel of salvation and sanctification which is required. That will seek to separate you from your pastor. And I say that to you not because I'm trying to control you or to make you beholding to me. I say that for your sake. Be aware of the Spirit that will try to take you out. And the Lord began to tell me he said, the ones that have been successfully been removed by that Spirit was because they allowed their life to be in a place that when it came, they were deceived. What am I saying? Make sure that you have your life together when it comes to salvation and sanctification and your relationship to your pastor, your pastor's wife, amen, 
Because you're going to go through some things in your life. And if you get messed up in the head, those are the ones that the enemy is going to peel off. You are fighting a very high-ranking spirit. I don't even want to use the word high-ranking. Okay? You see me? I, and I'm praying right now. I'm asking God because I don't know totally where it's where it's coming from, but I believe it has a religious aspect to it. Spiritual wickedness in high places has to do with church. It has to do with leadership and how a spirit can come and infiltrate through leadership and try to destroy your work. So I'm asking you to pray for me. I believe that God is going to identify where this is coming from. But I can tell you in the Holy Ghost that something is not right. You don't have to worry though. You don't have to fear. The main thing is you stay in a right relationship with God. Hold on to the truth that you have. The gospel of salvation. Don't let anybody change the gospel in your life. Don't let anybody take holiness away from you. Don't get crazy in the head and think your pastor's against you. Okay? Because the enemy wants to take you down. But I love you. So I tell you. The lady folly sits in the high places. The same place lady wisdom does. And seeks to draw you away from your walk with God. Amen. She didn't have anything to offer but death. Don't listen to her. It's not worth it. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Or the simple man, simple person turns away from the truth, that's what's going to kill them. That's what's going to kill them. And then prosperity is what's going to destroy the fool. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because the fool that prospers, the person who has departed from God into idolatry, that's ultimately what it is. They will at times experience prosperity in their life and when that prosperity comes, it will destroy them because they will look at it and they will say, look, I'm doing good. And that very prosperity is the thing that destroys the fool. Because they don't see anything wrong with their life. Because they see prosperity. But whoso hearkeneth unto me, wisdom said, you listen to me. He said, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. God will take care of you. Shall dwell safely. How many all be safe? And shall be quiet from fear of evil. You have a peace in your life. The storms are going to come. But she says, you listen to me, I'll take care of you. I'll give you peace. I'll give you safety. I'll protect you. Be with you. Amen. In those times. And I thank God for the truth. And uh, God willing, next Wednesday, the Lord willing, I will preach to you those two paths. So, that father talking to the son said, I want to I want to teach you the path to stay on, tell you the path to avoid.
Stay away from the path that leads to folly. Stay on the path that leads to wisdom. And when we get over there in the eighth and ninth chapter, that young man, that man, who started out in his journey in life, he will walk by a mountain and he'll hear a voice in that mountain. And he'll hear an invitation to come in to this palace. And then there'll be another voice that comes from another woman. And we'll talk about that next Wednesday. So stay on the straight and narrow path. Be faithful to the Lord. I want to be faithful. We need God's help to be faithful. It's not something we do on our own. But let's stand. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank You tonight for Your awesome Word. Help us, God, to walk in wisdom. We thank You, Lord Jesus, for the truth that You've given us. We say, not our will, but Your will be done. We give You all the glory and the honor and the praise and the worship. In Jesus' name, we pray.